Welcome to Honoring the Journey. I'm Leslie Neese, one of your hosts, along with my friend Karen Schock, two midlife mamas of adult kids who've been through deconstruction, actually still going through it. We're going to be discussing all things faith and deconstruction. We're going to chat with guests who've had faith journeys that are beautiful, worthy of honor and exploring. And we're going to dive into different faith practices, ideas, and ways to connect with the divine without the religious baggage. Both Karen and my faith journeys are evolving, and they're filled with curiosity and a willingness to explore all things. Thank you so much for journeying with us here on Honoring the Journey. Welcome to Honoring the Journey with Leslie Neese and Karen Schock. We are here today to honor a journey, a very special one, the one of my co-host, Miss Karen Schock. But not that Karen. Yeah, not that Karen. I know it's funny. My my sister go, ooh, that's unfortunate that that's her name. <laughs> she is not that Karen. But you know what? We're going to redeem your name here on Honoring the Journey. We're going to honor it. Thank uh, you. Yes, of course. I'm excited to get to know you a little better today. And, you know, this is kind of what we're going to be doing on Honoring the Journey. We're going to honor people's journey by listening, by hearing, by letting them process some things. Um, I think a lot of us who've been through deconstruction have come from a place of, you know, fundamentalism, let's call it. Uh, <laughs> then when we, when we get on the other side, sometimes we can cringe. Let's, it's called a cringe moment. When you think about, uh-oh, I used to say this, or I used to teach this, or I used to impose this. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to share something that maybe you have shared, thought, or imposed on somebody in the past. Then we are going to talk about, like, what would you say to that person today? So Karen, tell me, what's your story? I'm going to start off with a whopper. I don't know if I thought this was going to be at the end or not because. Oh, no. We want to introduce you. you. I want you to hear my heart. I am not this person. And this, well, yeah, this was very maybe Karen of me, but um, oh, gone it. This is not who I am. So don't stop listening after I no, tell no, no. you this. Yeah. Redemption, redemption is coming. Yeah, and you okay. can hear where I was coming from and why I said the things I said once I start to tell my story. But in the middle of my story, um, as a mom of four small children who I, I homeschooled, I was trying, doggone it, I was trying so hard to raise them in the ways of God. And one of the things that I learned somewhere along the way was in um, Calvinism or Reformed theology, that's what we were learning at the time, where we were learning there is nothing good in you. So what I would say to my kids, because again, I had learned it. I mean, oh, yeah. no excuse though. No excuse. Leslie, no, no you excuse. do. You have an excuse. You have an excuse. It's what you thought was real. Oh, like, let's let's qualify this. This is what you thought was true and real. So let's hear it. So if my kids would want something that I had maybe said no, and they would start begging or whatever, I would say, do you know, do you know what you deserve? You, you actually deserve hell. That's oh what you God. deserve. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm laughing, but it's a nervous laughter. I know. I know. Ah. I and mean, you felt I like did. such a good mom when you said that, didn't you? <laughs> yes. 
that's you deserve hell kid like oh, that's what you deserve you don't deserve oh, ice cream after dinner oh. you deserve hell so oh my gosh okay my so are in counseling when well and they have been in different times but when yeah. they are i i should actually i shouldn't maybe okay. i shouldn't say this out loud but i should probably pay for it no 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 i actually have done that so don't feel gosh bad. dang it i know Leslie. i know no it's what we were taught we were taught that we were worms that we were absolutely yes. nothing there's nothing good in you nothing. you're a piece of junk you're a piece of junk and the only thing good about you is jesus that's it sure. everything else you, you just suck and yep. and that's it felt very pious to say that it felt very right to say that. So listen, I get it. But that, like, that's really helpful for me to hear you say that because it makes me realize, you know, we were, we were very similar. I don't know that I said that, but I know, <laughs> I know I imposed a lot of that kind of thinking onto my kids. There was something in me that when I learned this way, and I think it's because I had struggled so hard fitting in and um, I had anxiety and depression and that kind of thing. Right. So when I learned this way of thinking that there's nothing good in anyone, that there's nothing good in me, I was like, well, there's your answer. That's why I'm such wow. a loser. And I almost said the F word right there. That's, oh, that's why okay. <laughs> that's why I'm such a loser is because oh. everyone's a loser. So it was very easy for yeah. me to take on that. Hmm. And then to want to teach it to my kids because that's the truth. So, so now, okay, let's look back. Let's redeem this. Okay. What would you say to your kids now? Oh man, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that. I would tell them how <laughs> loved they are and how, what they deserve is, is love and how much hmm. I, I, I think, yeah, there's so much more to that story too, Leslie, with just how, I was so afraid too that because I loved them so much hmm. that God was going to take them away from me. There was a part of me that felt like when they were little and as they were growing up for all those years, like Abraham and, you know, be asked to put Isaac wow. on, you know, like I always, I would rock them. And be like, Lord, God, I, you know, I love you. Like, I hope, you know, I love them so much and I don't want anything to happen to them. But God, please hear my heart. I love you more. Please know I love you more. Like all those kind of thoughts and fears. Oh, and wow. Where do you think that came from? My, the, what I was being taught, the, the books yeah. that I was reading, the, I was so going hard after God. I oh, was yeah. that person that was on my knees in my bathroom, on my dirty bathroom floor, crying out to God, mm. asking him, you know, to help me love him, to take out the demon of anxiety that was inside of me to, you know, all those things, crying out to know him more. Yeah. Wow. All the worship songs just on my face, begging to know him more. And as I look at it now, I feel like, oh. That's what happened. <laughs> like, yeah. I know God more now. I do. He showed you. Yeah. He showed you, but he showed you in a different way. So, all right. We, I get it. You were fully sold out, probably a big evangelist. Oh, yeah. Um, were you a teacher? Did you teach? And like, tell me a little bit about your, your life in, uh, in your faith. 
Sure. Let's go back. So I was um, raised Methodist. My parents were Methodist and Mm -hmm. my parents were awesome. They were older when they had me. I'm the baby of uh, five kids. And so my parents were Methodist. My older siblings got involved with Youth for Christ and all of that um, real evangelistic evangelism stuff. And so my parents didn't kind of know what's going on, I guess. Um, but my older siblings who were much older than me, um, were very involved. And so I just jumped on it with them and loved God, talked to him, asked Jesus into my heart when I was five, because that's what a sibling told me to do. Wait, five years old. Yeah. Wow. What did that look like? Do you remember it? Yeah, I got behind. I remember getting behind a bed at my brother's house because his wife had told me how to do it. And yeah, just said, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. And and I believed it. I believe that he did. And I believed Jesus loves me. This I know my mom would sing the old hymns to me. Like I believed all that kind of stuff. And I, I really feel like I was really spiritual, like as a little kid and would talk to God all the time and look at the stars and very philosophical too. But when I was about nine, um, I went to a youth for Christ event with my, with my older siblings and my mom and dad were there. It was on new year's Eve, happy new year to me. And we went bowling and then we went over to this auditorium to watch a movie. And I was sitting on my dad's lap in the back. I was in the fourth grade. So I was nine or 10 sitting on my dad's lap and a thief in the night. Have you heard of that? Oh, stop it right now. Yes. I used to have to watch that too. Distant Thunder. Distant Thunder. That's what it yes, was. Yes. All of them. Tribulation <laughs> Force. Girl, I'm going to, I am like literally having traumatic like triggers right now. Do you remember? Oh my goodness. Oh, oh. I. I and you oh. were in the fourth grade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I was in the fourth grade the first time I saw it. And did you wait? Uh, did you ask Jesus into your heart again, just in case? Oh, dear God. Here's what I did, <laughs> Leslie. Here's what I did. I went home that night because, so for those of you who have not seen the movie, yes. you can thank God right now that you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. And and the way I would put it just in the last few years or so, I went and went on YouTube and watched it. And I had my oldest, one of my older daughters watch it with me. I, I was like, you got to see this. I mean, and, and what she said was, oh my gosh, mom, that is like a, a Christian horror flick. And I'm That's like, exactly yes, it was it worse than Freddie and Jason. And um, it was worse. And I so- literally just used those words in my book when I was talking about it. It was a Christian horror film. No way. Because it, I'm not even kidding. I will show you as soon as we're done here. Like, I cannot believe this. This is crazy. Yeah. So I watched it. Wow. Um, and, and when I watched it, like it was so horribly made. So what it came out like in 1978. Oh yeah. They used, it was so cheesy when I went back and watched it, but <laughs> it confirmed everything though, that I remember from my little nine-year-old self, but mm. they used a laundry basket to catch the head at the end, because yeah. let me tell you the star of the show of the movie at the very end so what what the movie is about is Je- is about Jesus returning um and taking up all the Christians and then what's left and getting the mark of the beast and that that kind of stuff and oh Leslie the music 
at the very end, I'm, I'm, I mean, spoiler alert, in case you guys watch yeah. it at the very end, the one, <laughs> I have so many stories, Leslie, I could tell you, but the, <laughs> the, the star of the show is, has to decide whether or not she's going to take the mark of the beast or whether right. she's going to get her head chopped off. Right. And they bring one of her friends out who's already gotten the mark who went out of this little church building in their white robe god bless america oh and they bring the friend out and the friend the friend says oh patty it's simple or whatever her name was it's simple. it was patty she's <laughs> like you can get the mark and buy and sell and live your life or you can get your head chopped off and she says it <laughs> just like that but she says it's simple and um so when it came to my word for this year, Ugh. which was four days ago, I came up with my word. I was going to have the word simple because I just want my life to be more s simplified. Right. But I actually, I couldn't use the word simple because every time I hear that word, I hear her saying that in oh that my movie. It's simple. It's burned in your mind. It's burned in my mind. Okay. So I went home from that movie. Yeah. Patty, the, the movie ends with. I think it's Patty getting her head chopped yeah. off. Like that's right. how, like, and then yeah. it ends. So little nine-year-old Karen and my parents, God bless them. They had no idea what I was getting into. And I don't think they knew <laughs> what the rapture was. I don't think they knew how to talk to me about it. So I didn't talk to anybody about it, but I did sleep in between my mom and dad mm -hmm. and held both of their hands that night. And I can remember look, just like looking up at the ceiling in their bedroom, holding both of their hands, just praying that God wouldn't take them without me. Um, and I know I did that for a very long time. I became a very big evangelist at nine. At, in I'm the sure. fourth grade. I would go then now to my friends and tell them, it's simple. Jesus, you get your head chopped off. Um, so I was, you know, spreading the love of Jesus at as a fourth grader, like you wouldn't believe. I don't know. Uh, I think you were, you know what though, that it's, it, I laugh because I so relate, but I, I totally like, I mean, Karen, do you look at this now and go, that has to be traumatizing oh. to children who were brought up in this? I know because I was one of them. Yes. And, and like you would be, if you were home and nobody was home with you. Yes. Do you remember that was like right around the time that Blondie came out with her song Rapture. Do you remember <laughs> yes. that song? Yes. Oh my gosh. I was like, literally, I think about how scared I was of all this. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sad, Karen, that you were feeling this too. I wish we were friends back then. And talk about conspiracy theories. Like I, I look now at Christians and how easy it is to get into conspiracy theories and start to believe things. And, and mm -hmm. I want to make sure in my life. And I think over the last several years, I've been like very diligent about trying not to get into the conspiracy. Cause I know how that in and of itself was a conspiracy. I mean, I would sit yeah. around with my older siblings, like they'd have a, they'd have a night where they were all sitting around and they were all into it. So it'd be like, okay, do you know that the mark of the beast is mm. in the credit card, like, or in the social security number and that there's this big computer that's over in Europe that they call the beast, you oh. know, and that's the beast and the little, um, barcodes on your cereal boxes, they have a six, six, six in them. So, and I was all in, 
I was all in. And I would tell my friends, you know, I'm not going to make it to high school. So there was part of me that was all in and and liked it. Mm -hmm. And then there was another part of me that was terrified. And let me just say too, from the time I was young, I I would say I was born this way. I was Mm. boy crazy, completely Mm. and totally boy crazy. And my dad would, (laughs) my dad would, he would egg it on like all the time. Like, oh, who do you think is cute now? You know, and I love my dad for that. Um, But, you know, I was crying over boys by the time I was in the first grade, all that kind of stuff. So now I've got this whole thing of, boy, I don't want you to come back, God, Jesus, because I do want to get married. And I don't. Oh, I had that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, but I do want it. Like, I do want to be on the inside if you do come back. So I need to know all of like, it so messes with your head. Um, Well, and you know, the rapture theology wasn't even a thing until the 1800s. Like, this is not, it's a relatively new theology. This was not from the early church. Uh, It's a, it is a, um, an interpretation I forget the guy's name, but yeah, he came Darby. up with this and yeah. Darby, you do know the name. So yeah. yeah. And, and as, you know, as I start to think more critically, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I remember as a child, I would pray that God would leave me if he raptured the church so that I could save people. Oh, I didn't think I was so scared that people were going to go to hell or get their heads. I was like willing to get my head chopped off if it meant I was going to help save people. That's how all in this girl was in. I mean, like terrified. And um, so I get it. No, 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 I am not. I was, I was, I just love people so deeply. Yeah. And the thought of them not having somebody who knew what was going on and who cared about them. Like, you know, there's like, oh, they're going to take all the Christians off so that the Holy Spirit's not on the earth anymore. And then everybody's going to eat each other alive. And I'm like, that just sounds awful. We need to at least have a couple of Holy Spirits in there, you know? Yeah. I, I, even that we're talking about this, like, I'm like, how did I believe this? Exactly. But I did. But I and did. And then I taught it to my kids. Oh, yeah. That was the right? fun part, wasn't it? Well, yeah. we, we taught those, the, I mean, our kids, probably your kids too, left behind series. So that, oh yeah, uh, was that, that was a little less. Like, somehow that was easier <laughs> than A Thief in the Night. I don't know. Oh. Kirk Cameron yeah. and yeah. Well, and I'm at a place in my faith walk now where, you know, if you're listening and you still believe in the rapture, I mean, that's fine. I, and listen, I could be wrong. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. Like, I feel like it is better to not believe it for my mental health, for my faith, for everything, than it would be to believe it. And since it wasn't an original Jesus Christian doctrine, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to believe it. I have that choice now. Whereas before I did not. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, hundred percent. And again, I went from being pre-trib all the way up through to then when we started to follow the reformed theology and John Piper and all these names, John MacArthur, I started to then, they would teach. I know John Piper taught that like, no, there is no pre-trib. You're going to live through that seven years. Like Mm -hmm. there's no, and, and, and I was all in then too. Like I was okay. Then I'm here for it. And in the meantime, at that point, so this would have been about 2006 when I wasn't watching TV. So I didn't see you on survivor. Dang it. Um, At that point, I remember we had a friend who was about our age who um, 
he has now more of a progressive church, which even back then, he just loved Jesus so much. He still does. He loved us all the way through our reform days, all the way through when I would say <laughs> things. He loved us. And he was just like, I know, I know you're reformed, charismatic. I, I know. And it's okay. But he he's the one too that would always tell me, you know, what God wants from you is a soft heart. So mm-hmm. just keep a soft heart about Mm -hmm. it all and just keep learning and growing and keep a soft heart. And he stuck with us, but he's the one who told, told me the first time about, you know, that, that whole thing about, about the rapture and stuff like that already, a lot of that already took place under Nero with, you know, in, Mm -hmm. in AD 70 or whatever. And I would be like, yeah, right. You know, I'm going to believe you. And, um, I believe him now. Like, I'm like, okay. And, and he, and he was patient with me and with my husband through the whole thing. And now we're back in our hometown, we live, or not hometown, but Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he's a pastor here. And if we go to church, if, and when we do, we love to go to that church. And my son leads worship for that church. And so when did you realize then that you like, okay, this is something's happening. I think I'm starting to question something like what was the clincher for you? Okay. Well, let me, let me go back a little bit just to high school that I, again, I said, I love boys. I loved God, but I love boys. And I was always going to camps and learning. You can't be a Christian and be unequally yoked. So, you know, you had to find yourself a Christian boy. Yes. And not a Methodist Christian because that wouldn't have been good enough. Like it had, had to be somebody, you know, so my little boyfriend that was the quarterback of the football team in high school, I would break up with him about every other day and say, you're not good enough. God bless his soul, my soul, <laughs> everybody's soul that, you know, and in the meantime, I, I said a lot of those things, but I still loved boys and ended up after my, after our freshman year of college, I ended up getting pregnant, um, not married. And so you can imagine the shame that I felt when I found out I was pregnant um, and with uh, my husband now, um, and he was a little Catholic boy, which wasn't good enough either at the time. And he wanted, he was just like, wait a minute. (laughs) Like, I don't know. We were both scared. We're 19 years old and terrified. And so we broke up after, um, during that whole time period. And so I wasn't, I was a single mom, um, for a while and lived at home then, uh, had moved everything into college and brought it back and lived with my parents and my parents, I'm telling you what loved and accepted me. And, um, my dad didn't say a whole lot. My mom shed some tears, but there was no shame coming from my parents in that time. It was beautiful. Uh, the way they were, was such a picture of God and who Jesus is. And, um, my husband now, Kevin, we didn't speak the last five months of my pregnancy came back. Um, after he found out I had a, a daughter, he came to the hospital to see her. She looked just like him. He's Mexican. And she just was this dark, beautiful little baby. And he held her and he would say at that point, as part of our story, he would say he knew he wanted a different life. Like he knew something needed to change. 
um, and that he wanted to be a dad. And so from, from that point on, as he was still going down to Miami of Ohio, Miami University, and I was living at home, for the, the next couple of years, we just fought all the time because I was trying to talk him into being a Christian, the kind of Christian that I thought he needed to be in order for me to be with him. The good enough Christian. The quote unquote, good enough Christian. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you need to say a prayer, you need to do this, you need to read your Bible, you need to blah, blah, blah. And, and, but then I would still keep being with him. And so he was so, poor guy was so confused. And until at one point I I broke it off completely and I was like, you know what, this isn't going to happen anymore. And at Christmas time of 1991, I think it was, I went out to his house. I took our daughter out there because his parents were very involved with our daughter. And, um, he came out of the bedroom. We were broken up. He came out of the bedroom and he said, Hey, I have a, I have a Christmas present. I have a present for you. And I was like, um, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I, I just went in and got down on my knees and asked Jesus to save me. And I didn't believe him. I was like, well, okay, sure. Uh, right. Like, um, cause he was living a life that wasn't good at the time. And, and he did like, my we told my family my brothers got him a bible he started reading the bible his friends at school were like what happened to kevin he's a different person and he would say even to this day even though we've gone through all of this de- deconstruction and whatever you want to call he would say no my my life changed that night and he's yeah. like and, and honestly i believed that night i was looking for a second chance and mm-hmm. and and i believe that god however that looks gave me a second chance and so um, we ended up getting married, got pregnant right away then. So started having babies. I started homeschooling. Um, we got into True Love Waits then because our story was such a good story. Everybody wanted us to tell it everywhere. Crisis pregnancy centers, you know, everywhere. Oh, yeah. You know, we had a story, youth groups. So then I spent my time telling youth, <laughs> youth groups, talk again, messes with your mind. I'm telling them how our story worked out and how we had sex. And I remember one of my leaders in the, in front of kids, in front of students asked one of the head ladies said, so why would you say that you had sex before you were married? Like, why were you doing that? And I was like, mm, cause it was fun. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> you know, um, but trying to make it like, okay, we did this, but you certainly don't want to do this because this, you know, this is bad. And then we got into true love weights. And then I didn't want my kids to do what we did because it was a sin. And so then it was like, okay, don't even kiss until you're married. You know, Josh Harris, mm-hmm. they were reading those books along with the left behind books, you know, um, and man, and then just trying to fit in. So we were with these homeschool And, you know, if you've seen shiny, happy people. Oh, yeah. There were people that were doing that in our in our homeschool group, you know, the Bill Gothard. And I'd be like, I'm not I I, I let my kids watch Disney still like there was um, (laughs) I know. And I wouldn't wear a skirt. And and I didn't I wasn't up before dawn to serve everyone. And I, I just wasn't the Proverbs 31 woman at all. And. I I really struggled with that. Like it was bad. And so, and then anxiety and depression kicked in um, after I had a C-section. I think I had PTSD from that. And so then 
then I'm starting to learn that God chooses and he chooses some and doesn't choose others. And you don't have a choice. So thank God you did choose though. Um, it, <laughs> but it really wasn't your choice. You, it wasn't your choice, but you're chosen because you said yeah. the prayer. So now, but you don't know if your kids are going to be chosen or not. And you don't, they don't have a oh, choice. Yeah. And I think it all just was a spiral into my first panic attack. And back then in the late 1900s, you were there with me in the late 1900s. Mm -hmm. We were learning like you could go to hell and your kids could go to hell. And there was no internet that could tell me that my anxiety and my panic attacks over the whole thing were normal. Like, yeah, religious trauma. Yeah. My doctor was like, oh yeah, that's, you're have you're in depression. And I'm like, I'm not sad. I'm not crying, but wow. So there was, and then the shame came on with that, but then we just got into more and more like deeper and deeper. And now we're like, like I said, on our knees, praying, got into the passion conferences with college students, started leading college students. And we're going to move down at one point to Atlanta, um, to help with the passion movement. And like, we were in deep and, and I'm not saying that, 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 that there wasn't um, life and that I didn't love because I did. I loved, like you said, I loved people so much. I wanted everyone to be saved, but I was so messed up in the head. And I remember there was a pastor that told me and my husband um, at one point, I was just too, I, I had a mouth on me and I think you probably did too. <laughs> yeah. Like I wanted to teach and I wanted to preach and I wanted to talk and there's not a whole lot of space for that. It was more like be a quiet, submissive, you know, and you yeah. submit, your husband needs to lead. And so like one time we were with our pastor, younger, much younger than us, of course, him and his wife, and they were perfect, the perfect little couple. And he was just like, you know. Kevin, if you would lead your wife, if you guys would lead your women better, then they wouldn't have this anxiety problem. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, okay. So we get in the car and I'm like, do you, did you hear that? Did you hear that, Kevin? Like you need to lead me. Oh, so you bought into it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it, it, did you, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm leading now. I'm, I'm leading Kevin. Him lead into leading me. you. Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I never did that. Study, Cause you need to lead me. <laughs> Oh, the poor guy, the poor guy, man, when I, when I started to deconstruct, when I started, when the, whatever, the blinders, the blinders started to come yeah. off, I will tell you, like, my husband was freed up a ton because wow. I, I got off of his case, you know, and <laughs> you know, you gotta go to this five thirty in the morning. You better do this. You better do that. Like poor kid, oh. you know, Well, I want to, I want to talk more about your deconstruction after the break, because okay. I can't wait to hear how this has freed you up and like the difference in your family now. So stick around. Honoring the journey is honoring Karen Shock's journey today. We'll be right back. And we're back with honoring the journey. And today we are honoring my sweet friend, Karen Shock's journey. She is telling us all about her fundamentalist I guess yes. you would say upbringing and uh, it sounds very familiar, frankly. Um, yeah. But now we're at the part in your story where things sort of, I guess, did a 180. Tell me a little bit about what, when did you start to deconstruct and what did that look like? Okay. So, yeah, I think I was saying we were very much into the worship, the, the worship movement and that kind of stuff in the early 2000s. And then, um, 
went to a passion conference and heard Francis Chan speak. Mm. Um, he spoke to the, to the leaders group. And so we found his church, he had a church plant. So his worship pastor had planted a church in Columbus, Ohio. We lived in Fort Wayne at the time. So we moved, we took our kids, we moved. Our oldest was, I think 16. So 16 to six. You moved to go to this church to help lead a college ministry. Yes. At Ohio state in Columbus moved with, and my nephew and his wife, who we were best friends with at the time, they moved to from Fort Wayne to Columbus. We all moved together, moved in together. Um, we were serving homeless people down at, on Ohio state's campus, not just serving them. We were asking them, they, we had a couple guys move in with us, um, that were homeless. Like we were living crazy at, um, we were in a green room at one of the passion conferences in Chicago down in the green room with Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman. And he was introducing us to the Chris Tomlin band and the Matt Redman band. And he's like, these are my crazy friends who do crazy wild things for Jesus from Columbus, Ohio, from Francis's (laughs) church. And like, we were just loving it. But at the same time, because the Francis, Francis Chan and, John Piper and those kind of people were leading. And I'm not saying Louis Giglio is this way, but those guys were very much reformed. So very much believing in the chosen and not chosen. So we start learning that and diving deep and um, reading books and doing Bible studies and that kind of stuff. And I started to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like this is, this is when it got bad for me at like babies, because we learn babies, will go to hell. Like if they're not chosen, they'll go to hell. And I'm just like, there was no age of accountability. Like I had learned before it was like, you're chosen or not, you're not chosen. So we had at one point we had, um, a little, I think he was three, three year old, beautiful kid, beautiful little boy. And I had had him in the nursery. He got hit by a car and was, and was killed. Um, and I was out in Arizona visiting family and, um, with my mom and dad and my children. And I'm, I remember sitting just bawling, like, and, and one of the things that I said was at least we can know that he's with Jesus, right? Like he's Mm -hmm. in the arms of Jesus and an elder of a reformed church who I was with at that time looked at right at me and said, you can't know that. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, wow. And he's like, you, you don't, I mean, you can assume that since his parents are believers that he's part of the covenant, but we, we can't know that. And it was, I think at that point that my whole life went turned upside down. Cause I was like, well, I could imagine. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> and with that, yeah. I'm out. Like, I, and so, and at the, wow. about that same time, Rob Bell's book, Love Wins had come out mm-hmm. And we had been big into Rob Bell until we got into the passion thing. And John Piper said, don't listen to Rob Bell. Um, yeah. Know. First it was, we all love him. What was it? Numa? Is that yes, what Yes, we had the yeah. Numa videos. And we then it was the like, Numa oh, no, no, no. He's a heretic. Don't listen to him. Yeah. We burned those. Anyway. Yeah. We got rid of them <laughs> for sure. And stopped listening to Rob and yelled at anybody that did listen to Rob. Um, wow. But I, there was a video that came on that of him with Love Wins, where he talked, to, where he's talking about his book, and he said, "You're so you're telling me like that Gandhi is in hell right now? Like, is that you know like really?" And 
I remember watching that video and going and calling Kevin over and having him watch it and say, and I was like, those are my questions. All of mm. those questions are my questions. Yeah. And I remember our oldest daughter at that time too, who all of our kids have been raised now with all of our teaching, mm -hmm. um, everything we were learning, they were learning right along with us. Um, and my kids are precious people. And, but my daughter was like, mom, you're scaring me. You're scaring mm -hmm. me with these questions. And I was like, I'm scaring you. I'm scaring myself. Like, you think I, I, I don't want this. Like, I don't want to lay in bed at night and look out the window and wonder if there is even a God. But mm -hmm. that's the way I felt because I had gone so deep and learned so much. You know, all of my systematic theology by Wayne Grudem, like I, I was trying and it was backfiring big time. So I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot, that a lot of people, the way that they start deconstruction is they are in the Bible a lot. Yes. <laughs> sure. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then you start having the questions and then you're told don't have any questions. So it was mm -hmm. silent for a long time, but, it, but thank God I did have the internet at the time because I, I was at that point, there wasn't many, but like Rachel Hald Evans was, mm. had a blog and there was a couple other people. And then we, we got into that church plant with Francis Chan, that, that whole thing fell apart real quick. We were there for about a year and a half and just stupid stuff without elders. Like it was everybody's fault, but we were like, we're out. Um, which broke everybody's heart. Like there's so many stories anyway. Um, then we went to another church that was the pastor that said uh, that at that church too, they were really trying to pray the demons out of me, like of mm. anxiety, you know, and telling me, Oh yeah. When they name the demon, the demon of anxiety yes, or the demon fear. of fear. Yep. Yep, I'm, yeah. I'm on my knees and they're all praying around me. And I, please, if if yeah. it's that simple and if if it can just get out of me, I'll take it. Like if it's, a, yeah, I wanted to believe that. Like, yes, please take it from yeah. me. Yeah. Um, And that was the same one. Yeah, that that church was a mess. That That place was a mess. So then we just decided to go a little more. Like we went Mark Driscoll. And I, and again, we've made so many friends and so many yeah. people I love so dearly. So many of them have also deconstructed, but some of them are still in it and God right. bless them. And they'll send me letters and say, what are you doing? And I'm just like, and it's hard for me because it's like, I didn't do this. I didn't plan this. Right. This happened to me. And, and now I'm thankful, but man, there's been a whole lot of years that have been really scary and really hard for me. Right. So, and then I know that you and I kind of, we don't like, we think we've talked about this, but not wanting to get too political, but I will tell you that it was about at the same time <laughs> that Donald Trump was coming on the scene. And I was saying, wait a minute, we're talking about the size of his yes yeah. on stage and we're as christians we didn't like it that bill clinton was who he was and we thought he was the antichrist because of what right. happened to him in the oval office but now we're gonna we're just gonna vote for this guy no way like i'm still a republican but i'm definitely not gonna and, and i everything just fell apart yeah time. yeah so. it is hard when when the people that you respect and admire and learn from and grow from all of a sudden are doing something that is 
so completely out of character, especially out of the character of Jesus. And, and you're just supposed to go along with it. And do you ever, I mean, do you know that last scene? I want to say it's one of the Kirk Cameron left behind movies in the boardroom. And everybody's talking about how great Carpathia is, or whatever his name was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so great. It's so great. And like, he's like going, what is wrong with these? It was almost like they were in a trance. Yes. That's, that's how I felt. Yes. With the whole like thing that yes. happened with Trump. I was like, does nobody see this but me? And like, if I questioned it, I lost friends because of this. That's what was so hard was that yeah. I was getting, I was getting blasted for not wanting to vote for him. Right. Like if I'm not voting for him, then I'm only doing what my itching ears want to hear. And right. I'm like, exactly. hold up. What? <laughs> Stop. Like, I don't even, and I would tell people, I don't even want to talk about it. Right. Like, I think in the beginning I was talking about it because I thought, surely, surely. Yeah, I'm not the then, only one that can see this. Yeah. And I still feel that way. Like, please don't make me talk about this. Please yeah, don't make yeah. me talk about politics. I'm pretty sure this was not the way of Jesus. No. You know, please, like, can we talk about something else? Can we talk about life? And <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And we yeah. will do our best on honoring the journey not to talk about politics. <laughs> you know, as much as possible, because honestly, it's just, um, it it was never, it was never a priority for Jesus. And when he was given that opportunity in the wilderness, you know, just do this and you'll have all the control and blah, blah, blah. He was like, no, I'm good. You know? So, so I don't understand any of that, but I understand that politics is a thing. It's a system, the world, blah, blah, blah. But and I respect it. I'll do my due diligence. I will vote. I will do my thing. But sure. Who am I not going to No, Mm-mm. Can't do it. But now, okay, so here we are in 2024, just starting out. Wow. You've got this podcast now. So how long ago did you dig de- What year was that that you deconstructed? Like 2011 or something? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. would say it started so then. Wild 2011. Yeah. My, yeah, my big questions, I would say, started in 2016. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and it's not that I didn't have questions before then. I just did not talk about them. I still right. didn't talk about them when I started into it. And 2016 is when the clamshell shut and I just shut everybody out and wouldn't let anybody in and just let myself process. But and we'll you, talk about this the on the next podcast when I get to you because I'm so interested to hear from you like for me I had a lot to lose by coming out like (laughs) coming out however you want to say it um and I I still have you know I still have a lot to lose whatever but I can't imagine the platform that Mm. you had um Mm. And then, I mean, that's just something that's, it's like, okay, you're about, you know, you even had more of a platform than I ever did. Um, Yeah, I think, I feel like I would have been the last person that anybody in my life would ever dream would be on this road. Um, But like you, I didn't give up on Jesus. 
No, like I, that's the whole thing. It's like, I don't know why I feel like such a heretic sometimes because, you know, people are like, oh, you don't believe that anymore. And you don't right. believe in, you don't believe in hell. Right. Like, that's so horrible that I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in the rapture. Right. Um, and, and these are not deal breakers when it comes to Jesus. No. <laughs> just so you know, like, I feel like, no, I, I'm just trying to, sorry, but the word is simplify. Yeah. The gospel, because yes. that's what Jesus did. He was like, boom, love God, love people. All right. Peace out. Like literally that's what he said. Kind of hundred, hundred percent. And, and, <laughs> and when we, when you start to open it up, like, I remember like being like, if a Jehovah's witness would come to our door, mm. um, being like, oh, those, the poor Jehovah's Jehovah witnesses, they can't listen to anything mm. outside of what they know. Like they could never you know, they should read the Bible for themselves. And here I was having that same thing. Like I couldn't dare I listen to Rob Bell or dare I listen to an Epis Episcopalian preacher yeah, or anyone else outside. And, and once I broke open that and was able to like study, oh, wait a minute, there's all these different versions of hell. And when it comes to penal substitutionary atonement, and by the way, that that's not a bad word. <laughs> like, when you say that word to people, they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, PSA, you should know what that means. That means that yeah. Jesus died. Like, I know all of this. I'm right, going right. there. Me and too. I realized in going there, there's so there's so many more ways to believe. This is mm -hmm. such a new way to believe in the last couple hundred years. Yeah, I was gonna say just a couple hundred years. You know, like, and so. I'm actually going back like, and it's so, there's so much freedom there. There's so much freedom uh, there. There's so much room at the table, Karen. Yes. There is so much room at the table. When I was in fundamentalism, there was no room at the table for anybody except those who believed exactly the way I did and who did this and da, 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 da. You know, it was like, boom, 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 boom. It was about exclusion. It was yes. about saying, you're not, you're not welcome here. If you don't what drove that? fill in the blank. Fear. Fear exactly. drove that. Fear, fear, drove fear, that. fear. And and I, I I think of all the things that I have, and I'm I'm hearing this in your story as well. All the things that I have gained, I think just having a faith that is permissive, and and like we look at that as like, oh, we shouldn't have faith any way we want. Well, you know, but but Jesus had faith that was permissive. Yeah. And, and he showed that when you can allow yourself to explore and listen and grow and, and research and like all the things that we're going to do on this podcast. Yeah. So there's this thing that happens. I think when we are so dogmatic and so close-minded and so afraid, it's called, I believe, arrested development. It's huh. when we stop developing as a human being and we just settle in and dig our heels into something. And we say, this is our truth. And there's no truth other than this. And I remember people would say, I'm speaking my truth because I was told there is no my truth. Exactly. It's only Jesus. He is the truth. He is the only way. And it's true. Jesus, you know, he said that he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. But I think what he was trying to say is when you live your life like me, when you live your life in love, connected to the divine seeing the marginalized and, and fighting for them, seeing the people who are, you know, pushed aside and pulling them up to the table. That is the truth. I am the way. 
that means the way that I'm living my life is the way you should live your life. If you really want to experience the divine, if you really want to connect with other people. Mm. And I feel like Arrested Development is where I came from. And now I am, I am in just this curious place of growth. Yeah. And I can, I can feel again. I can see again. I don't, I'm not afraid anymore. Um, Yeah. And it's just, it's the most expansive and most beautiful way that I have ever lived. And I have people in my past and maybe you do too. Do you have anybody trying to pull you back in? Oh, sure. Oh, 100%. so how do you how do you handle that? Because that's a big thing. I think a lot of our listeners will be dealing with. Uh, yes. So even with my book coming out, that was so hard because there are so many people that would not even would not even open it up, would not buy it. You know, family members that are like, no way, like they can't, they can't. That would be going against their faith, and I am a heretic. Um, but it's funny that the people though, that love Jesus and are still in the church that have read my book will be like, I don't, I don't see what was so wrong with it. (laughs) And I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, because they don't, they don't want to hear it. They can't hear Mm -hmm. it because I am, it's not the gospel. And and I'm just like, wait, like, can we talk? But we can't talk. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's just a, it's just a, it's been a way. And even in, I would say, so that was last April that my book came out, even just here in the last couple of months, I've seen where I can keep loving them Mm -hmm. and, and they come around, you know, Mm -hmm. like they will know we are Christians by our love, you know, Mm -hmm. like if they can see that, that I, I love more and that I'm not as afraid. Yes. Do I still have my hypochondria? And I'm sure we will discuss that on this show. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. um, and when you're going through menopause, the hypo, all that anxiety can come back. That's but real. Yeah, it is real. It's hormonal and it's real. <laughs> but I have a love and a spark and a life inside of me um, because I can look at people and see where I can see them where they're at and love them for where exactly where they are. So is it hard? Yes. And do I not want people probably to know that I'm even doing this podcast? Absolutely. But you know what? This isn't who it's for. It's not for them. That's what I was getting ready to say. That's what my coach always says. Don't worry about the people that are going to be upset because your message isn't for them. Exactly. And I just saw Beth Moore say on, cause she's done her own deconstruction journey, right, she's, yeah. you know, and it's been beautiful to walk this walk and watch her learn from her daughter. It was her daughter, her grown yeah. daughter who taught her different, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to watch that growth and go, thank God there's somebody else who sees it too. But mm-hmm. she just put, I think just a couple of days ago, she put something so sweet on, on Twitter or X or whatever you want, whatever we call it nowadays. She wrote on there to the SBC, right? Southern Baptist Church men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She called them brothers. And she mm-hmm. said, could you please? Basically what she said in a very long, beautiful note, but message, text, whatever you call it, tweet. Could you leave me alone? Like mm-hmm. it's been years. Could you just leave me alone? And and that's kind of the way I feel like if, if you've got some beef with me, leave me alone. <laughs> like oh. just go. I'm not even there anymore. I'm not there. You can't kick me out because I'm not there. 
not in your church. I'm not submitting to any past. Like, yeah, you know, leave me alone. Well, leave me alone. I'll go mine. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I, I, I think that that's, that's something we need to maybe say more often. Yeah. (laughs) Leave me alone. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm not, don't worry about me. Yeah. And there's so many people that are worried about me, but they're not coming to me. They're, they're going to people in my family. Sure. And and I'm so worried about Leslie. Is she okay? It's like the people that are coming, they're like, okay, so -so so-and-so is worried. I'm like, tell them to call me. They have my number. Sure. Why can't you call me? Why do you have to make this gossip? You know what I mean? No, I get it. I'm an open book. I will talk to you. Because they're afraid. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think that's why we're so passionate about this project, this this podcast, yeah. because we both come from that fear. We both come from a, a background of fear. And and if there's if there are people that are waking up that are, they're invisible right now, but if we can be a voice to encourage them mm-hmm. and to let them know that what they're thinking isn't crazy, you're not alone. Jesus still loves you. God's not mad at you. Like press on my friend, press on. And if we can even just give that message and do it in a way that is safe and like you are loved, you are cared about your, whatever you believe doesn't matter to me. What I want is for you to make peace, whatever that is. Make and peace there's no it. reason, there's no reason to come. Like you don't have, you can stay invisible for the yeah. rest of your life. Absolutely. Let, let, let me end my story here, yeah. although my story is not ending, but my no. parents are, my parents lived with us, um, the last, my dad for two years and then my mom for another eight while my dad had dementia. So they moved in when they were like in their eighties, early eighties. Um, and my dad was on hospice for about mm-hmm. three weeks in our house. And I held that man's hand while mm-hmm. he, um, while he passed, my daughters and I were in the room with him and my niece and told him, kept saying, you can go now, dad. It's okay. He had dementia, you know, like, oh God, I miss him every day. Mm-hmm. Um, he was more Jesus to me than, than any pastor ever could have been. And he was quiet and he was gentle. And he never told me about the 640, was it? No, four. 1040 window um, in missions. And he never told me, he just loved me well. And he enjoyed me. And I got to hold his hand and tell him, go on, you go on ahead, dad. And um, then my mom was with us for another eight years. And I watched her love Jesus and sing about Jesus. And she would say to me back in the old days, when I was fighting with my siblings about what reformed theology, you know, because everybody had their thoughts. We would be all out in the living room and she'd walk out and she would say, she'd be in the kitchen cooking for us as we're fighting. And she'd come out and she'd say, I'm so glad that I am not smart enough to know anything that you guys are talking about. All I know is (laughs) Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And she'd go right back in that kitchen and she'd love us. And she loved us all so well, right up to the end. Um, She was a joy to anybody who knew her. And she loved so well. And I held that, that woman's hand and it was such a gift. Like I just happened, just happened to be the one. There were several people in our house Mm. that night. I just happened to be the one that was there. I was on duty when she took her last breath and I sang her right into the arms of 
my dad and I sang her right into the arms of Jesus. And I told her, you can go now, mom, you can go. And I think about the fact that when I was nine or 10, whoo, I just went off my antidepressant, Leslie. So I'm it's I, okay. I, I cry now. I cry now. <laughs> it's um, okay. But I think about the fact that when I was in the fourth grade and I would, I held both of their hands and said, God, please don't take them. Please don't do this right now. And then I got to be the one that 50 years old and 42 years old who held both of their hands and said, you go on ahead now. You go on ahead. God gave me that gift. And um, I still believe in God and in, in Jesus. I believe that my mom went to the arms of Jesus. And so, yeah, I, that's, that's my story. Well, I don't know how I'm supposed to talk right now. <laughs> I um, judged them hard for a long time because they weren't into missions and didn't have Bible studies and didn't pray with me before I went to bed when I was a kid. I judged, and they were Methodist. I judged them hard, <laughs> you know, and now I know exactly where they are and that they were more mm -hmm. of a picture of Jesus to me than anybody that I know. And that's what my next book is going to be all about is just my mom and my dad. So I love this. Well, I honor your journey. Thank that you. was beautiful. That was beautiful. It was raw. It was real. It was funny. It was heartbreaking. It was everything all at once. And that's what we're hoping to do here at Honoring the Journey is just have a raw, real yeah. conversation with everyday human beings doing this thing called life and and falling and getting back up and yeah. learning and growing. So Thank you for sharing your story and thank you for hanging out with us today on Honoring the Journey. We are so excited that you're here. I want to invite you to our Facebook page if you're looking for a little bit of a community. It is a private page. We will try our best to just make it a safe space for you to gather, ask questions, learn, grow. You can share or you can lurk. We don't care. No judgment. Uh, just look for Honoring the Journey podcast and Give us a little, uh, what do you call it? We, you know, request to join because we like to see your names as you come through and 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 welcome you to the fold, so to speak. Well, thank you so much, and um, we hope that you will come check out the next podcast. I'll be sharing my journey, and um, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah.